Amen. 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 I told the first service after these verses in Spanish that I used to think that the heavenly language was going to have a southern accent to it. But the longer we've lived in San Antonio, over 30 years now, the more I'm convinced it's going to be in Spanish. You know. There's just something about what the Lord can do, even though I, I don't understand all of the words. I'm getting better after 30 years. But there's just something about the sound of the way the words come together and the phrases and the syllables. It just can seem so freshly that the Lord is blessing the praises of his people. His tears will fill my eye, lump in my throat. I don't want it to ever stop. And, um, amen. Amen. All right, I have a, have a question for you this morning. Can the follower of Jesus ask for signs and wonders with effect? Or, put another way, are miracles, miracles in answer to prayer to be expected for the child of God? Are miracles in answer to prayer to be expected by the child of God. Well, I believe the Lord himself, Jesus himself, has an answer to both of those questions. And I want you to find your way, if you would please, to the Gospel of John, chapter 14, and these three verses. John chapter 14, starting in verse 12. Jesus says, Truly, truly, I say to you, you who believe in me, the works that I do shall he do also, and greater works than these shall he do, or she do, the follower of Jesus do, because I go to the Father. And whatever you ask in my name, that will I do, that the Father may be glorified in the Son. If you ask me anything in my name, I will do it. That sounds like permission is granted to ask for signs and wonders in the name of Jesus. Here's what a sign is understood biblically. A sign is something that is supernaturally done that is a signpost to God. It is something that happens. It is something that God causes to happen that happens for this reason. 
He's wanting somebody to know that he is, that he is real, that he is present, that he has power, and that he knows what it's going to take to convince you that he's real. A sign, a sign. It's something that God does that points the attention to him. Out of the natural, into the supernatural, out of the visible, and into the visible. Invisible. A wonder is not necessarily different in the circumstance of a sign. Something which is a sign may also be a wonder. A wonder comes from a word that means to see, to see, to observe with the eyes. But it is something that is so, so clear, so strong, so unusual, so supernatural, that the visual sense of it is inescapable. It stays with the person. A wonder. It, it, it's something that strikes awe in the heart of a person. When Jesus says, not limited just to the first century church, not just to a long time ago, not just to the time before penicillin and x-rays and heart surgeries and various kinds of therapy, but when he says, if you ask me for anything in my name, I will do it. I believe there are two things that the Lord would want us to know today that we have permission to ask him for. And I want you to go with me to Acts chapter 4, back to that well-worn part of your Bible where when you come to church and you open it up at Alamo City, it's just going to fall open to Acts chapter 4. We've been here for so long. But I want to read these words and uh, we'll go down through it together. Just, Just two or three of these verses concluding the prayer, the time, the, the prayer meeting that Peter and John had with their people after they'd been released from the Sanhedrin in trouble for saying that in the name of Jesus, the miracle of the man who had never walked happened. They, they were threatened to never speak anymore in the name of Jesus. Peter and John replied, we we can't stop speaking what we've both seen and heard. But they left as soon as they were released, you remember, and they, they went to the church. They went to their people, as we've been calling them, their people. Common heart for Jesus, common desire for Jesus to be lifted up through their lives in that season there in Jerusalem. The praises went up, their eyes got off of the circumstances around them, the people and the voices and the threats. They turned their eyes up toward the Lord and the praises went forth. We've been on that. But then they come down to making their requests. 
And, and there is a word that describes the prayer meeting. There, there, is, there are two, a couple of different words in the original language that can speak of a time of prayer or, or the act of prayer. One is when it is a general prayer meeting. Many different things could be prayed over and the people are gathering for the purpose of, of prayer and it may be many subjects. There's another word and it's the word used here. It means specific prayer. It means that there were one or two things specifically that they were concerned about, that they needed the Lord to intervene. That's the word that is used here as they pray. Now look down at verse 29, Acts chapter 4, verse 29. We pick up in the, in the middle and toward the conclusion of, of the prayer. Here, here the requests are made. And now, Lord, take note of their threats and grant that thy bondservants may speak thy word with all confidence while thou dost extend thy hand to heal and signs and wonders take place through the name of thy holy servant Jesus. And when they had prayed, the place where they had gathered together was shaken and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak the word of God with boldness. It's the same word as what they asked for before that's translated confidence. It, it's one Greek word, but multiple English words can be used to translate. It's the idea of confidence, but it's idea, the idea also of boldness. Boldness that sprang from the confidence. Same word. Well, how else did the Lord answer their prayer? They asked for boldness, for confidence to return, to be freshly applied to their hearts. But then they asked for, they asked for signs and wonders. They asked for the Lord to confirm what they were boldly saying to confirm the word with signs and wonders. Verse 33, and with great power, the apostles were giving witness to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus and abundant grace was upon them all. With great power, with great power, they were, the apostles were giving witness. That means the boldness was happening. The confidence was happening. I want to suggest to you that when Jesus says, he makes the promise in Acts 1.8, but you shall receive power. After that, the Holy Spirit has come upon you and you shall be my witnesses. What kind of power was he talking about? What, what, is, what is at the root of that kind of power? Well, I believe that it has to do with what the early church prayed when Peter and John, who had been harassed and threatened by the Sanhedrin, the same ones who had orchestrated the earthly death of Jesus, they were now on Peter and John, same people making same kind of threats, and it was obvious that they had the ability to, to make good on those threats if they so chose to. But what was it that they asked for? What was it that Peter and John and the church asked for? They asked for confidence. They asked for, another word is assurance, which turned into boldness. It, in, in, in verse 31, verse 33, it says, and with great power, the apostles were giving witness to the resurrection of Jesus. It seems clearly here that the power that Jesus promised was an ability 
without fear, without hesitation, with a strong sense of assurance, of assurance within them that what Jesus had said about himself and what he actually did was absolutely true. They were boldly, without fear, with an assurance in their hearts that it's all true, giving the witness that Jesus is alive from the dead. That was the word that they were supposed to declare, that the Lord had given them to declare. And here Luke records, it was with great power that the apostles were giving witness to the resurrection of Jesus from the dead. They had been threatened. They had been, they had been harassed. But now there is fresh boldness. There is fresh confidence coming from fresh assurance in their hearts that they weren't crazy, that Jesus really is alive, that what Jesus promised he did actually fulfill. He came back from the grave and he had been given all authority and all power. So yes, the Lord answered the prayer for fresh confidence, for fresh boldness. Now we're going somewhere with that. Don't go to sleep on me. That's important. If you've been beaten up with the ugly stick, if folks have been after you, if fear, the spirit of fear, the, the spirit of intimidation has been coming after you, trying to shut you down, back you off, minimize your influence, turn you away from trusting in Jesus, say to just, oh, I'm just, I'm just gonna give up. We're just gonna, we'll just take whatever comes. This, this faith walk isn't, isn't really what it's all cracked up to be. If you've been pushed back, if you are being pushed back, if there are people or there is a spirit or spirits working against you, listen, stay with me, listen to this, because there is great encouragement. So they were refreshed at the place of boldness. But look down at verse 12. Chapter 5, verse 12. And at the hands of the apostles, many signs and wonders were taking place among the people. And they were all together with one accord in Solomon's portico. Verse 14. And all the more believers in the Lord, multitudes of men and women, were constantly added to their number to such an extent that they even carried the sick out into the streets and laid them on cots and pallets so that when Peter came by, at least the shadow, his shadow might fall on any one of them. And also the people from the cities in the vicinity of Jerusalem were coming together, bringing people who were sick or afflicted with unclean spirits, and they were all being healed. They were all being healed. They were all being healed. Folks, now instead of us running from verses like this, instead of us saying, oh, that was way back yonder, now we've got penicillin and now we've got all kinds of other things. We need to just open our Bibles and understand that if the Lord has done it once, he can do it again. If it was his heart back then, it remains his heart now. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And we do not need a man-made religion to try to look at the scripture and try to suck straight out of it the demonstrations of the power of God rescuing the lives of people physically, emotionally, spiritually. Amen. I just needed to get that out. Folks will say, you, he, didn't, he doesn't do that kind of stuff anymore. Prove it. 
prove that he doesn't do that anymore. Let me tell you, if you are a follower of Jesus desiring for him to be glorified in your life, if you, you wouldn't, may not use the word bond servant or bond slave like these did because it's not a common word for us, but it meant that their will was lost in his will. That they had committed their lives to being subservient to the will of the Lord Jesus Christ. If that's your heart, if that's your desire, and you believe that the words of Jesus are true, Truly, truly, I say unto you, he who believes in me, the works that I do, shall he do also. And greater works than these shall have, because I go to the Father. It means that you're not doubting, you're not debating, you're not trying to minimize the promises of Jesus. But you embrace him and you embrace his word. And get this, you also make a practice of praying specifically. I need a place to park, Lord. I need the tires on the Ford to last till payday. What, whatever, whatever your point of need would be, and you pray specifically, you pray specifically, you pray specifically, and you pray regularly in the name of Jesus. I'm here to tell you, if that's who you are and that's how you live, you are no stranger to signs and wonders being manifest in your life. You could stand up in the pew this morning and say, he has repeatedly, at times when I needed it the most, proven to me by something that he did. It wasn't luck. It wasn't circumstance. I take it to being the finger of God indicating a signpost that has pointed me straight back to the heart of my Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. That's why some of you, without any quiver in your heart, can say he's real. I know he's real. He proved it to me when I was trying to feed the three kids, the husband had left or the wife had left or whatever had happened, the job had vaporized. But we would ask him, we'd put our needs before him. And every time, Pastor, every, we maybe not have had a whole pantry full of extra stuff, but when we needed it, my babies have never missed a meal. There's been clothes on our backs. There's been ability to make it. He's met the needs. I know he's real. I know he's real. Folks, listen. Sometimes we can, be too, we can be too stuffed with material things to really be able to appreciate how real and present and close and personally God loves us. Because we've got so many, in the, so many clothes in the closet, so much food in the, in, in the, in the deep freeze. So oh, everything is just taken care of as far as we can see. That's why Paul would write, or the writers of the New Testament would say, it's, it's in some ways better to be poor in material things, but rich in faith than it is to be poor in faith and rich with stuff. He's real. And he proved the signposts, the signposts, the signposts, the signposts. Now, we'll come, come back. I want to show you one other verse that I think is just really... Interesting. This is 
verse 6, chapter 6, excuse me, verse 7. Here's what else began to happen. And the word of God, chapter 6, verse 7, and the word of God kept on spreading, and the number of the disciples continued to increase greatly in Jerusalem. And look at this. And a great many of the priests were becoming obedient to the faith. You go back to that earlier part in Acts chapter 4 where it says that Peter and John stood before the Sanhedrin, the same group that had, that had tried and condemned Jesus of Nazareth, whom they were following. They're standing before that same group, and it says that those, those ones who were looking at them saw them as, viewed them as, as, as uneducated and common men. Their position of education, their position of notoriety somehow seemed to feed the thought, the sense within them that we can judge these men because of who they, they're nothing. They're just common people. They're not educated. They don't have any background. But it says that when they saw the confidence, they saw, and that's the word, it's that same word, when they saw the confidence in them and the boldness that came from that place of confidence, they marveled as recognizing them as having been with Jesus. Folks, listen, listen, listen. Somewhere in that, in that gallery of the Sanhedrin gathered around and looking down on those two men, somewhere there must have been some other priests who were part of that group, maybe there on that day. And they saw in the faces of those common men something of power, something of freedom, something of joy that they had never seen in the eyes of all those educated and wealthy and rich and people with all the position. And they came away from that. A few days passed, more signs and wonders, confirming signs and wonders happened that they hear about. And one after another after another, those priests, even from amidst the midst of the Sanhedrin and those that they were giving direction to, the members, the rulers, the leaders of the people, as they would be called. Those came to be convinced that Jesus Christ of Nazareth is real. Folks, you don't have to have all the degrees in the world. You don't have to own every bank in the world. But what there is alive in you, an understanding that Jesus is real, that Jesus is is here that you matter to him, that he has all authority, that he has all power, that he is the one bigger than even the plots and the schemes of men, that he has the power to cause the wrath of man to praise him, that what they meant for evil, God has the ability to turn it for good. When you know those things in your heart and those truths have been pressed in with reality to your spirit by the power of the Holy Spirit, the result is boldness in your life that comes from assurance, assurance, assurance that the Lord by His Spirit has put within you that you matter to Him, that He died on the cross for your sins. If you'd been the only one ever to have lived and died, He still would have come just for you. You've been persuaded of that convinced of that. And the result is you are free 
from the pressure of fear and intimidation and doubt and hesitation. And even when it comes from the mouths of big mouthed, strong people, it falls on deaf ears. It glances off of you because you know who you are and you know whose you are. Can I go back to that first request that they made? Grant that thy bondservants may speak your word with all boldness, with all confidence. And here's something, folks, we just have to let this in, or we're going to keep on rolling through life, trying to make it work, even spiritually, in our own strength. As if because we've been taught, as if because we know scriptures that speak of faith and, 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 and staying the course and believing the Lord, that that's what we ought to do, that we have the conclusion that because I have the information, that that's all I need is just the right information, which is categorically fallacious, categorically weak. These men and women had seen Jesus physically, heard Jesus audibly, teach, make his promises, do the things that he would do. But after this season of persecution, this season of intimidation by the leaders, they found their hearts weary. They found their hearts weakened. It wasn't that they were turning away from Jesus, that they were still his bondservants. They declared that to be, we have no place to go except to you. But what they were saying is, the power, the power, the strength of conviction, the strength of confidence, the strength of assurance, Lord. Lord, we've been hearing these faces. We've been hearing these voices. We've seen all this. We've heard all this. And it's resulted in, the need for you to freshly, freshly, freshly assure us, reassure us, stoke the fires of confidence again in our hearts. It's not a sin to admit that. It's not wrong in the sight of God for us to admit our humanity before him. And in fact, folks, if the humanity within us, which is supposed to bring, bring us to get a fresh drink of power, a fresh drink of life, if we don't let that weakness of our flesh do that for us, we can stay at the place of living in the weakness, living at the place of the loss of assurance, the weakening of the confidence in who he is and who I am and what his heart is to do because we, we feel like we're supposed to shore ourselves up. We're supposed to generate fresh encouragement. When these men, these were Jesus' key people, they learned it, they knew it, they got it at the first sign of weakness at the first sign of the diminishing of the assurance of who I am and who he is and all of those things, the first sign of weakness, I'm going straight back to the fountain. I'm going straight back to the place. Well, I need another drink. I need another drink. I need another drink. I'm talking to some folks today. 
somewhere out there. You've been beaten up. You've been oppressed from various means. But your mind is telling you, I know what I'm supposed to do. I I know that it's not right for me to have these doubtful and weakening and or, or just deny, I'm not doubting, I'm not doubting, I'm not hesitating. When the truth really is, Jesus is saying, I know you're weak. I know what you've been up against. I, I know what that can do to your flesh. Come to me and drink. If anybody is thirsty, let him come to me. Let her come to me and drink. For out of his innermost being, her innermost being, shall flow rivers of living water. They, they went and they went back to the fountain. I'm saying today, I'm saying today, I declare it. I believe it's the truth. The Lord is wanting his people to say back to him, Lord, I am thirsty. Lord, I am weak. Lord, I am needing for you to freshen me. It's not admitting that you don't believe. It's not admitting unbelief. It's just acknowledging the reality of your humanity. It's not a sin. But, but, it, but it means that I realize I'm given permission to come back to the Lord and say, Lord, would you grant this bondservant fresh assurance that you love me, fresh assurance that you're in control, fresh assurance that you are the truth and everything else is a lie, fresh assurance that Jesus is the one who has all authority, who has all power, who is all wise. Fresh assurance. Fresh assurance. Instead of beating ourselves up, beating ourselves up. I, I remember years ago, years ago, we, we made a trip over to, to uh, Houston to um, where, where um, the Osteen ministry was happening. And we're just impressed with how God had blessed, done things there. And this, this, is, this is 25 years ago. And, and I remember hearing the man who was a preacher, an older preacher, met us in the building to walk us through. And he, he said, I want to tell you about Joel's daddy. What's his name? John Olsteen. Yeah, yeah, John. Joel has come along and kind of moved on since then in many ways. But John Osteen, the daddy, the man who led him to faith in Christ, was the one who was taking us through the building. He said, let me tell you, let me tell you about John. He came to know the Lord and so forth, but he said, here's the way, here's the way John Osteen lives. If he feels like something has happened during the day, or something has gone on within his heart that would cause him to sense a loss, sense a diminishing of the filling of the Spirit of Jesus in his life, he will stop right there and pray all over again. Lord, I don't want to go another step with there being the smallest fraction of my heart, my mind, my soul, my spirit possessed by you. You say, well, how? And, 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 and with that operating, the, the amazing man of faith 
that he was to believe in the ways that he believed. And his son has picked up that legacy and, and, and the nation being blessed and ministered to in many ways by the, what has gone on through that family line. But it was the point. I'm not gonna wait until I've hit completely empty. I'm not gonna wait until there's something else that comes along that, that would cause me to realize that I'm, I'm really exhausted here but at the slightest reading on the monitor of your spirit, that there's something, and that's what happened. That's why they prayed this way, folks. We, we can't beat the example of what is given here. They went back to their people, but then they prayed. They admitted, Lord, there needs to be a fresh restoration, a fresh filling of your confidence, of you giving confidence, you putting confidence, you putting assurance. Is that making sense? Yes. Are you hearing that? It's so vital. It will spare you the place of living secondhand Christianity. Well, here's what I know I need to do. Here's what I know I better do. I don't want to, I don't want to admit that I'm this. I don't want to. No, I am that. Lord, my flesh is weak. The battle has been hard. The faces have been exhausting. The pressure has been relentless. I'm just saying to you, Lord, you are God and I am not. You are able and I am not. Fill me, fill me, fill me. The Lord is saying to his people, ask me for a fresh filling. Ask me for a fresh demonstration of my assuring you. Instead of us assuring ourselves from our brain, yeah, I know, I know, I know, I know. The problem is that we don't need to know something or that we don't need to no more or better, it is, is that moving from here to here? That I'm feeling, I'm sensing. That this word for confidence or boldness, folks, is an emotion. It's an emotion. It's an emotion. That they could have said, grant that we may speak your word. Grant that we may testify of the resurrection. They could have just said that. Give us, give us opportunity to speak. But they didn't. But they attached the prepositional phrase to modify that, which is the qualifying of what, that which was as important as the message. It's that we speak what we speak with boldness, with the assurance that Jesus is who he claims to be, that I am who he has claimed that I am, that he is all powerful, that he has all authority, he's all wise. That he's big enough and glorious enough that he can cause all things to work together for good to those who love him called according to his purpose. Okay? So what are you going to do with, with what you just heard? What are you going to do? What are you going to do? What are you going to do? I pray that it would be that where there was a sense of a diminishing of heart. A diminish, not, not a heart that, that you're not loving anymore, but, but just but that sense of the loss of assurance, of the hesitation, the question. Sometimes when we're filled with the sense of his assurance, the enemy can blast us with all kinds of cannon fire, and it doesn't seem to move us. That's what these men did. That's what Peter and John endured for that time. But they left that season weary. They left that season evidently to a measure depleted. And they needed to be freshly assured by the filling of the Spirit so that they could again stand up and take the cannon fire. They weren't asking for a job transfer, as we've said. 
There was nobody politically that had changed, nobody in the religious hierarchy that had ever changed. They were going to face it again. But they were realizing they needed fresh, fresh confidence, fresh assurance. He knows what you need. He knows some, some are discouraged. Some have maybe walked away because you've missed this. You think it's all about you. It's all about you trying to keep yourself pumped. All about you trying to keep. No, no, that's never going to work. That's never the plan of God. If you then being evil, Jesus would say, know how to give good gifts to your children. How much more will your father who is in heaven give the Holy Spirit imparting power, imparting fresh assurance to those who are asking him, present, active, indicative. Those who are in the state of mind, they're in the, in the place where they are continuously, 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 Lord, I need your spirit. I need your spirit. You know I can't do this. I know I can't do this. Oh, I can go through the words. See, that's it. They were saying, we don't want just the words. We, we, we know the words. We know the facts. But what the power is that they knew that needed to be restored was that sense of knowing in their hearts, that sense of assurance in their hearts who Jesus is, who they were and are to Jesus. That beckons us to that place of prayer. It's not getting another Bible study. It's not finding another church. It's not getting dipped 40 times in the Jordan River. If you've received Jesus as Savior and Lord, He knows that there are going to be times when this world will take its toll on us. But He said, I'll not leave you as orphans. I will come to you. And so we come to Him at the places where we need fresh assurance. If we have to do that 40 times a day, we'll never exhaust it. Okay? That's the first thing. Ask me to refresh you. Ask me <laughs> to refresh you. Second, ask me to confirm your words. Ask me to confirm your words, your witness. I might say this word confidence or assurance is not necessarily about volume. It's not about standing up and hollering loud behind a microphone. Peter and John weren't necessarily saying anything or saying much, but the Sanhedrin just observed that they were lit with confidence. That they knew what they believed and nobody was going to change them. That was what rocked the religious world. Lord, fill me freshly who you are, who I am in this place where you've put me. And they asked, as we do this, Lord, as we speak, as you freshly fill us and we speak, we're asking you to extend your hand to heal. And that signs and wonders would take place in the name of your servant, Jesus. The word for heal means to cure, to restore to full health. It has the implication, certainly, of physical healing. 
But it has that awesome application of the spiritual, emotional parts of people. Now, folks, I want to say this. Somewhere along the line, I'm, I'm concerned that we as the evangelical church, maybe at least a segment of it in this country, have completely lost sight of the rest of this prayer. We, we, would, we might get, I need the Lord to refresh me. But what if here the Lord is also saying, I want you to ask me to confirm in ways that people can't deny that I am real, that I am here, that I am able, and that they matter to me. Do you remember Peter, before he became a full bore follower of Jesus, Jesus came to his house, healed his mother-in-law who had the high fever. And then as the sun began to set, people from all over came with their sick children, their sick family members, adults, all kinds of infirmities, diseases, sicknesses. And it says that, that Jesus in Peter's yard, at Peter's house, laid his hands on every one of them and healed every one of them. But Simon Peter saw that. He was up close to it, happened in on his property, but he was yet unmoved. He was impressed, as anybody would, to see all of that going on, but you remember the story. I've told it 4,000 times, I guess, over the years. It wasn't until... Jesus did a sign and wonder in Simon Peter's own boat that Simon Peter fell on his knees and said, depart from me, Lord, for I am a sinful man. And from that point on, follow Jesus. What was the sign? They'd fished all night, hadn't caught a minnow. Jesus says, push out again and there'll be a great catch. Peter politely obliged, but they got out, lowered the nets at the instruction of Jesus, and the catch was so great in the same spot where they'd fished all night and hadn't caught anything that it almost sunk that boat and another boat. It was that sign. It was that wonder. It was that wonder. It was that sign that convinced Simon Peter. He is real. He is. Had Simon repented? No. Had Simon given half of his income to the ministry? No. Why does Jesus heal? Because he loves. Jesus heals because he loves. Jesus gives signs and wonders, attesting proofs because he loves. He heals because he loves. Signs and wonders happen because he knows people need evidence to be convinced. But one of the things that's the most encouraging to me whenever there'll be an attempt to share the gospel with someone and the person will say, I wish I could believe. I like what I'm hearing, but I can't believe. Rather than just praying through a prayer just because the preacher said, pray this way. But the honesty, um, 
I can't believe it. Here's the word, the meaning for faith, the definition behind the biblical word for faith. It comes from the verb meaning to persuade or the passive to be persuaded. To be able to have faith in something or somebody means that you have been persuaded that that person is real or that truth is actually, it is actually a truth. Ephesians 2, 8 and 9, it is by grace that you have been saved through faith. And that not of yourselves, it is the gift of God. What is the gift of God? The gift of God, certainly grace, but the gift also of faith, the ability to believe. The Lord knows how to persuade people. It's not that we're to give up on folks because their heads are hard, their conclusions are set, the, the corners are rigid, and, and it's as if, what if it's they've not had enough evidence yet? And that's why you're in their life. God, give me the boldness to speak of you clearly. I'm not ashamed of the gospel because it is the power of God unto salvation to everyone who believes, to everyone who has been persuaded, to the Jew first and also to the Greek, so that as you present, as you live your life before them, you're also praying. It feels like this is a missing weapon in the arsenal of the church, if you want to use that term of warfare, it's spiritual warfare, setting the captives free. But what if we've just assumed, oh, now that we've got penicillin, now that we've got whatever, we, we don't need signs and wonders. Oh, yes, we do. That God miraculously, individually, in answer to prayer, in answer to our requests, Lord, they need evidence to see that you're real. They need help believing that you are who you say you are. And I'm asking you, I, I put it, I, I'm asking you to sign and wonder them, Lord. Sign and wonder them, Lord. Sign and wonder them, Lord. Apostle Paul, before he was the Apostle Paul in Acts chapter 8 and 9, ravaging the church, mean, cold, cruel, but in his mind, he was doing this because he was serving the God as he understood the God of the Jews to be. And all of a sudden, out of the blue, Saul hadn't repented. Saul hadn't said, I'm sorry. Saul was actually on his way to further the persecution against the saints, the followers of Jesus in Damascus. And out of the blue, all of a sudden, this light shone upon him from heaven. You remember the story. Who are you, Lord? Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? I am Jesus. I am Jesus. I am Jesus. Independent of any other physical missionary at that time, any other evangelist, any other Christian, Witnessing to Saul, the Lord Jesus just showed up with a mighty extending of his hand to heal Saul's soul. Why do we give up on that? We must not, church. We must not. We must not. They may be surrounded by ones that are equally cold, equally cruel, equally godless, but that doesn't mean that the Lord Jesus Christ, who has all authority, 
cannot suspend the laws even of nature or the protocol of men, intervene and interrupt and call somebody unto himself. Amen. Don't give up. We can give up on people because we can think if they're left alone, they'll never turn. But our faith is not in somebody returning to the Lord. Our faith is not in somebody on their own correcting their way. But what we need to be freshly persuaded of all over again is the love of God for people. The relentless pursuit of heaven to find that one lost sheep. To not give up until the search is completed. Lord, my confidence is in you. I'm asking you for a sign for them to have something that they will know came out of heaven, came out of heaven. And along with that, there's the sense that this happened because you love them. Now we're gonna pray, I'm gonna stop right here. We're gonna gonna pray in this room this morning and for those who are watching and a part of our Alamo City Streaming family. We're going to pray for the sick. We're going to pray for the ones far away. But I just, I just need to say this. There's somebody listening to this. And, and, and when, when, when you hear the part about he extends his hand to heal and, and, the, and the sense that, that you want him to heal you. But maybe you have never yet in your life received Jesus into your heart as your Savior and Lord. But right now where you sit, where you watch this, you're hearing it. You're hearing, that's what I want. I'm ready. I'm ready to receive Jesus Christ into my heart as my Savior, to heal my heart. He will do it right now. He will do it right where you sit. Just those simple words, Lord, I'm ready. You have persuaded me. You have convinced me. It hasn't been luck. It hasn't been coincidence. These things have indicated your love for me and that your reality that I matter to you. And I don't understand it. I don't know why, but Lord, I don't have to. I guess I don't have to. And all I want is for you to know I receive you, Jesus. I receive you, Jesus. The scripture says that To as many as received Jesus, to these he gave the right to be called the children of God. That means to lay hold of, to take as your own, to take as your own. But it also, there's also that amazing encouragement that the Lord's heart is to heal. The Lord's heart is to break the back of Satan off of life. He's not weaker. In fact, at this day, at this point in time, he has been restored to all the glory, all the authority. That's why he would say, truly, truly, I say to you, he who believes in me, the works that I do, shall he do also. And then he says, and greater works than these shall he do because I go to the Father. He goes to the Father reclothed, reinvested with all of that which he gave up when he came to be born as a human child and grew up as a man. He did amazing things walking the earth. He even raised the dead. 
He commanded nature at specific points to heal the sick. But it is a further Jesus now. More power. All authority. God, the very God, who says these things. Ask me to refresh you, my church, my people. And ask me for confirming signs and wonders to validate your life, your witness. They would go out. Not everybody got healed. Not, not, not everything was totally correct. But in the places where the Lord would assign the men to go and the women to go, and they spoke his name, and there would be a sense rising up within them that Jesus is able to heal, Jesus desires to heal, and he's going to. They believed it, and it happened. It happened. If you're in this room today and there's a medical condition going on in your life and you'd like for us to pray for you, I want you to get up and come this way quickly. Now, now, nobody has to come, but if you're here and there's something, and I believe there'll be many, those of you watching as a part of our streaming family, I want you to just find a place to kneel. If there's something going on, pull over if you're driving, but there's a medical condition in your body or there is an emotional condition working in your mind that has debilitated you. It can be a grief. It can be a, a sorrow of various kinds. It, things out of balance. We're not telling the Lord what he has to do. But we're going to say, Lord Jesus, we're asking you to do in these bodies, in these lives, in these hearts, everything that is in your heart to do today. We believe that you do extend your hand to heal. We believe that you do in your timing and in your way have the authority, the power, and the heart to cause signs and wonders to take place so that our faith in you, our confidence in you is full. If you're here this morning and you haven't come for prayer, but you believe that the Lord is able and you would want to stand in agreement with a brother or sister who's here, I would ask you to get up from where you are and come and just stand and put lay your hand on somebody who's in front of you. Okay. We're going to pray. All authority. All authority. All authority is in the name of Jesus. All power. All power. All power. Lord, we stand in agreement with our brothers and sisters whose prayers recorded for us in that Acts chapter 4, your holy and powerful word. We declare that you are the one who is the creator of all that is. That you are the one whose plan was greater than the plans to destroy Jesus. That you caused even that wrath of man experience 
to bring praise unto you. We are forgiven because Jesus died on the cross and was raised. And Lord, we are asking you freshly to fill us. You know where we've been. You know who said what they've said. You, you know the things that are arrayed against us and what we're enduring. But Lord, we receive from you a fresh impartation of your power, of your assurance, of your confidence, of your boldness into our hearts that are weak without you. Fill every place, Lord, that is weakened as a result of the stresses, the pressures, the lies of the enemy. We receive, we receive, we receive, we receive your Holy Spirit. And Lord, we ask you now to extend your hand to heal. In the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus, extend your hand to heal. In this room and those who are listening and a part of this with our streaming family, we're asking you, Lord, not because there's any doubt in our hearts that it's your heart to do or your ability to do. We are confident, we bless your mighty name, we praise your name, that it is your will, it is your heart to extend your hand of healing, to be manifested in precisely the way that you want it to be manifested today and in the days to come. We receive your healing. And Lord, we pray for the demonstration of the necessary signs and wonders to convince us further, to persuade us further. But also, Lord, for those that we care about and that are on our hearts right now as we pray. Children, spouses, other family members, co-workers, old friends, Lord, we ask you to sign and wonder them, sign and wonder them, sign and wonder them in the name of Jesus to confirm, to confirm that you are real, to confirm that you care about them, to confirm your love for them, to draw them to you, being persuaded that you love them, that you died for them. Lord, we, we look forward to reports that we're gonna get, texts and phone messages from ones that are saying, you won't believe what happened to me. You, you won't believe what just happened to me. And we'll be able to nod our heads in our spirit straight back up to you and just say, thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Please keep it coming, Lord. Please keep it coming until they have irrefutable evidence that you are who you say you are and they have become a child of yours through faith, through having been persuaded that you are who you claim. I pray you'll strengthen the prayers of mothers for sons and for daughters and for grandparents for children and, and, and employees for entire companies. And may it be, Lord. Now, will you just open your, open your hands back toward heaven and, and all, all we're going to say is just, Lord, I receive. I receive. I receive. 
I receive all that you want for me to receive this day. And I praise you. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Would you say his name with me? Jesus. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. You need to say something. Izzy. Father, we we thank you for the cross. We thank you for the blood of Jesus Christ that by his stripes we are healed. Lord, we thank you for the power of the blood. We thank you for the power of the blood. And Satan... The blood of Jesus is against you. We resist the spirits of infirmity in the name of Jesus. We plead the blood of Jesus, the merit of the finished work of the cross. Lord, we lift up our southern border to you in the name of Jesus, and we ask for signs and wonders. Lord, we ask for you to pour out your spirit on these ones trying to cross into our country and that are in camps right now. God, we pray for revival. We pray for signs and wonders. Lord, we cry out for our southern border in the name of Jesus, and we ask that you would heal our country. Lord, be that light in the midst of the darkness. Raise up your standard, Father, in our nation. We cry out for our nation. Church, cry out for our nation in the name of Jesus. We cry out for for signs and wonders on the southern border in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. And we'll be watching the news. Be watching the news. God bless you. Thank you for being here. If we can spend more time with you, you just stay right here, okay? God bless you. God bless you.